Bubble Media. Inside the Bubble is a listener-supported podcast. More about how you can help us later in the show. Before we get started, this episode deals with anxiety and depression and features people's personal stories handling these issues. If these topics are triggering for you, please take care while listening. I don't remember my first panic. I don't remember my first panic attack. A panic attack is a sudden episode of intense fear, intense fear. that triggers severe physical reactions when there is no real danger, real danger or current cause. When panic attacks occur, you might think you're losing control, having a heart attack, or even dying. Panic attacks are perhaps the most staple characteristics of anxiety and depression. Think of them as having a representation of how most people living with anxiety and depression exist almost all the time. It's a feeling you don't like, don't want to have, but have to feel and have almost no control over. Intense intense fear. Intense fear. To start this episode of the podcast, we are featuring two stories of two women telling us about the time they had panic attacks. Esosa is the first one of them. Esosa was coming out of a relationship when this happened. It was an intense relationship that ended a little sourly and had taken her a very long time to grieve. It wasn't the breakup that hurt me, it was the aftermath, like finding out I was the side piece, that it really hurt. The second woman is Dunsin. Dunsin experienced a panic attack one day at home when she was caught in the middle of an argument between her father and her sister. She too lives with constant bouts of anxiety. My sister is... A very strong-willed person, and so is my dad. And that doesn't bode well for arguments. And it was one of those arguments where nobody was giving. And my sister went overboard. And my dad got very angry. It was an afternoon. I was walking new hall i was just like i I was going back to my hostel and i think i went to buy something i was coming from the pg hall so i was going back to makama and like i just heard my name and like i turned and i saw him and like my breath became shallow my chest was tight as hell i couldn't breathe and like i couldn't respond like i couldn't i couldn't reply i just remember the world fading out from my eyes and my breath growing ragged and uneven. And I felt like I was dying. Losing control. Because I turned and then he smiled and he was like, hi, Hi. how How are are you? you? He didn't come close or anything. He stood where he was buying what he was buying. And like, I just, I panicked. Like, because I didn't, how did you it was and then i just and nobody understood what was what was happening and i curled myself up in a ball on the kitchen floor my body was on autopilot like i just i didn't respond i didn't say a word i just i i think i had a blank look on my face or whatever i don't know what the expression on my face was i was i couldn't breathe bro i tried to breathe and it doesn't seem like it's working. 
I just kind of like turned and walked. That's what I did. And after that, calm, I guess. My brain does this thing where it blocks out the most traumatic parts of my panic attacks. But I cannot forget how tight my chest was or how I never wanted to happen again. Ha, huh, okay, yeah. On today's episode, we're talking to people about anxiety and depression, featuring stories about how to navigate through these strong feelings. It's a heavy episode, heavier than all the other episodes we have done in the past. This episode features mentions of suicidal thoughts, and it can be occasionally triggering. Please take care as you listen. Welcome to our season finale, episode 12, titled, Do You Want to Talk About It? I am Bissi Adedon, and you're listening to Inside Your Bubble. The crowdsource podcast about social bubbles. Every episode features stories from different people about their experiences around the unifying concept. We do this to show how different or similar life outside our bubble is. Act one, I am depressed. You don't hear that sentence a lot. I am depressed. You don't hear it as often as you hear people say they have malaria or say that they have a fever because being depressed still has so much stigma attached to it. It's still a thing that black people or Africans don't get. African people do not get depressed. I don't know where that came from. Is there something about our skin color that's supposed to make us immune? Something about our climate, our culture? Really, I don't get it. So, for the first act of this episode, the next 20 minutes, we are featuring stories from people talking about their depression and their anxiety. And they'll be talking about it as it's no sugarcoating, no using red phrases to mask it and pretend optimism. That's the last thing a depressed person needs, pretentious optimism. You know the way Nigerian parents say they are strong when they are actually sick, when they are literally the opposite of strong. None of that. Here's Act 1. I am depressed. Starting with a story from a listener called Zara, who lives with high-functioning anxiety. Let's see, how do I paint your picture? Okay, so right now it's 2.30am and I went to bed around 11.30 and sometime around 1am I woke up and my hands were all clammy and I was drenched in sweat and all I could think about was I have so many unreplied emails I need to get to I have to do this recording I have to set up an appointment things that I need to do for the rest of the week pretty much woke me up and I came downstairs and that's what I started working on so this kind of episode is a very regular thing for me um there's always feelings of worry and anxiety and not just when I go to bed it's when I'm watching a movie or I'm out with 
family i'm just thinking about all the things i need to do and i've tried a lot of things like i'm creating um, priority lists and writing things down and crossing things off and they just don't work um they do help in helping me accomplish those things um but they don't release the anxiety that i feel anyways we started talking to zara on twitter which is where many of the conversations that end up on the podcast start mo isu the producer of this section of the podcast had tweeted that he was looking to interview people living with anxiety and depression zara had responded they exchanged numbers and started talking honestly when it came on my um, timeline i just took it as a sign especially because this is something i have always been very silent about um i don't come from a place where it is discussed as openly and i think for once i just wanted to do that the conversation started on monday the 17th of august isu asked zara about herself About 20 hours later, with no reply, Isu politely sent another message to Zara. She apologized for the delay, said there was construction going on in her house, and would send a voice note later that day. Um, so sorry, you're just getting this. There's a lot of construction going on around the house. I don't know if you can hear all the banging and stuff, which is why I, I wasn't able to send what I recorded earlier. Thinking after my group today or Isha, it'll be very quiet, so I will just do it then. She sent her first voice note a couple of hours later, at 2 a.m. when everyone in her house was sleeping and she couldn't. The voice note she first heard. Insomnia is one of the most present traits of people who have high-functioning anxiety. They have a very difficult time sleeping. They are up all night long, thinking and worrying about different things in their lives. I literally cannot get any rest until I do those things. Um, so there's overthinking, there's um, overanalyzing, um, there's the high blood pressure. There is, oh my God, there is, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of frequent second guessing and the indecisiveness that comes with that. Zara also spoke to us about how much she second guesses herself. She can't decide what to eat when she goes out. She takes hours to send emails and hours more scrutinizing the emails after she sends them. Then there's the way it affects her relationships. She makes plans with friends and then cancels them in the last minute. Consistently does this. She feels at one moment that she wants to do something and later decides it's too much of a hassle. Or she feels like she wants to talk about her anxiety on a podcast and later decides that she's making a mistake. She made this confession to Isu a little later in the conversation. I I don't express myself emotionally but there's this unwillingness to discuss how I truly feel like earlier I was telling you that oh it's okay I'm gonna send you a voice note but in reality I was second guessing myself I really didn't want to do it at that point granted there was the noise you know in the background and it wasn't really quiet then which and I just held on to that as an, as an excuse and I really didn't tell you how I truly felt at that time Isu asked her directly if she was happy that the construction was so noisy. Asked if she was relieved that she had an excuse to back out of talking about her anxiety. Oh yes, I was 
As a matter of fact, I was relieved. Because I was like, ah, oh, there we go. Like, yeah, it's not conducive now at all. Yeah, yeah. I'll just let him know that. And it's the same thing as when um, when it rains and I send someone that quick text. Like, oh, sorry, I can't make it. Or when I'm not feeling too good and I'm sending out a text to a friend. Oh, sorry, I can't do that video call today. Like, I'm actually relieved these things are happening because... It's like, ah, perfect. I don't even have to lie about it. Like, there's something I can hold on to. And it's only gotten worse as I grow older, right? Because now I've got more responsibilities. So there are more reasons for me to keep backing out last minute. And so um, that also enables me to sort of continue in, in my regular pattern. And um, yeah. So yeah, I was I was grateful for the nice to be honest. I definitely was grateful for it. Zara grew up in the northern part of Nigeria and moved to Canada when she was seventeen for school. That change in environment is pretty drastic. Northern Nigeria is the opposite of Canada in just about every way possible. For instance, when you are depressed in Nigeria, people generally don't tell you to see a doctor, they tell you to pray. Zara grew up thinking that whatever she was feeling wasn't that serious. Her case wasn't that severe. She wasn't like all those extreme cases on TV where people go to see a therapist. I did not think that I needed it. I didn't think it was that serious. I didn't think... Um, I thought it was unnecessary. You know what I mean? I felt like this was not... This was not one of those cases I've seen on TV. This was not one of those, um, one of those extreme situations where I needed a shrink, you know. And there's always that negative connotation that comes with seeing a shrink or you know, <laughs> a therapist. Um, especially growing up the way I did, where you know, if you're sad, you're told it's yo, maybe it's because you haven't prayed or you haven't read your Quran today, and um. I found that even when I do all my five prayers and when I read my Quran and there's still, you know, there's still the anxiety. So, um... Zara didn't get diagnosed with depression until a couple of years after she had moved to Canada. Seasonal depression was what the doctor called it or seasonal affective disorder. She had intense waves of depression that overtook her around the same time every year, usually during winter, most intense in January. Seasonal depression is actually a pretty well-known mental health condition, especially in parts of the world with extreme winters. The lack of vitamin D and the general gloom of the weather contributes to this condition. It took some time after she'd been diagnosed before Zara got professional help for her depression. She started going to therapy and in therapy found out that there was also a name for the brand of anxiety she felt high-functioning anxiety yes i do go for therapy and i'm better with it although um it took a long time to get here yeah it's definitely helped talking about things especially to someone who is removed from your life i feel like that's something that's very important because um you might have a strong support system or a supporting family but you never want to burden them with things like this. 
And so it always helps when there's someone who you know is there for this reason. I feel like um, it really helps. Zara is doing better with her anxiety and depression these days. Unfortunately, she hasn't been in therapy for a few months with corona and everything. She could do therapy online, but, but she's never really been good at keeping to online appointments. They are easier to cancel. Staying on topic with the intersection between depression and family, the next story we're featuring talks about exactly that. How one person's depression collided into her relationship with her family and friends. I was actually diagnosed with clinical depression a while ago, a couple years ago. And before then, I kept having problems. I used to wonder why I would be so sad sometimes because I wouldn't have a tangible reason to be sad. I would just be so sad that I wouldn't be able to function. I would just be hanging out with people and I'll just get so overwhelmed. I'll just want to go and cry. Ayo, the person in the voice note told us that this is how she felt when everything in her life was going okay. Her words, Things were going okay, and she felt this intense sadness at random times. And this seeped into her relationships. Some of her friends started calling her Harley Quinn after the Suicide Squad movie was released. They said she seemed like Harley with the way she was, sometimes bipolar. In 2019, things got worse for Ayo. She felt very sick, and it felt like there was nothing good happening in her life. And these were actually her words again. Nothing was good. Her whole life was a mess. Don't know if this is you no know, exact, but I kind of developed agoraphobia during this period. I couldn't leave my room. Anytime I tried to leave my room, I couldn't breathe. I would start to shake. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And in that period, I started to abuse certain substances just so I could, you know, not feel the way I was feeling, just so I could be able to go through a couple hours without feeling like a mad person. July is when things got really bad when she thought to herself that she simply couldn't take it anymore and she started actually thinking about ways to end it and how she felt. She said that she thought about killing herself, thought about the ways to do it, and the way she described the options, she could tell that she actually did think about this very seriously. She rolled out knives. She knew she could never get herself to actually stab herself. She didn't have it in her to do that. She said slashing her wrist would have been too painful. It's just dramatic on TV, she said, but she knew she couldn't bear the pain and the weight. In July of this year, Ayo wrote an essay titled, Happy Not Dead Day to Me. It was a way of celebrating the day she didn't kill herself. The next audio you will hear is Ayo reading that essay. I've been battling depression and anxiety for a couple of years now. I was medically diagnosed with clinical depression also known as major depressive disorder, a while ago, so I'm no stranger to suicidal thoughts. Before my actual diagnosis, I kept wondering what was wrong with me, why I would have intense periods of enveloping and overwhelming sadness, 
why I would be so sad I wouldn't be able to get out of bed, why I constantly felt the need to disconnect from everyone and everything, how I could be hanging out with my friends, having the time of my life. Then all of a sudden, switch up, I wish I was dead, or at least alone, so I could cry to my heart's content. Honestly, having it acknowledged as an actual problem was a relief for me. Because I just thought I was abnormal and ungrateful. After all, what did I really have to be depressed about? But see, 2019 was the worst year of my life. Instead of before when things would be going great great for me and I was still consumed by sadness, this time I was actually going through it. I was struggling to keep myself sane. My academics, my health, my relationships, everything in my life deteriorated and suddenly it was like I was struggling to breathe. I was having panic attacks every time I attempted to leave my room. Then I started to abuse certain substances just to get myself to feel. And when I felt an overload, I abused other substances to make myself feel numb again. Honestly, I no longer felt human. So in July of 2019, I decided I didn't didn't really care where I would end up when I was dead. I realized that all I needed in that moment was for the pain to stop. I needed it to go away. Quite a number of people who have suicidal thoughts morbidly calculate the best way to die. The easiest way, the most painless, pain-free way, the way that will not, you know, hurt their family members so much. And I had decided that an overdose of sleeping pills to ensure I don't suffer too much. This was after I rejected slashing my wrists and staying in a tub full of water, stabbing myself and hanging. I was going to do it when... I was going to do it when I was certain I was going to be alone for at least three hours and that was it. I started crying as I prepared myself because I couldn't write a note. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know where to start from. I'm so sorry, mom. It just hurts too much and I really don't want to live anymore. Nothing felt right. Nothing felt enough. Nothing could appropriately or adequately explain that I hadn't just given up. I just didn't have it in me to keep on trying to live. I had tried my best for so long, but I just couldn't do it anymore. So I called my best friend. And I wasn't even sure what to tell him. It was a half-hearted attempt, and if I didn't die, I was certain I would be ashamed for bringing anyone into my bullshit. (laughs) Anyway, you can probably tell I didn't die. I mean, I did take my handful of pills, but I guess they weren't enough. My best friend called my other friends, and they came to break down the door of my room because I still didn't want to answer. I was so consumed with shame, I lied that I had malaria. 
my family had to be notified and even though that was the last thing i wanted to happen it ended up being the best thing for me i'm still struggling today there are days i wake up and i'm not entirely certain i would just rather be dead (laughs) see this isn't that kind of story i'm not about to tell you it gets better because unfortunately sometimes it doesn't however what i'm going to say is it got marginally better for me because even though i was so ashamed i told someone I had struggled for so long in silence and solitude that I couldn't continue to exist like that anymore. But see, the thing is, now I never really have to. I'm not saying I will never sink to such depths that suicide will be the only option available to me. But I'm saying that if and when that time comes, it will be because I truly have nothing in me left to fight with. So again, this is not that kind of story. Knowing that I would have to experience the urge to die is not easy. It's draining sometimes. And if you feel you can't do it anymore, trust me, I've been there. I can only ask that you talk to someone and maybe, just maybe, you come to realize you don't have to deal with this all alone. Just like I did. You are listening to Inside a Bubble and I am Bissia Dedun. Today's episode is titled, Do You Want to Talk About It? People's stories about their experiences with anxiety and depression. More when we come back from this break. Inside a Bubble is a listener-supported podcast. You can support us in making this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Patreon lets you donate a fixed amount to us monthly that helps us make new episodes. You can donate as little as $1 and if you change your mind, can cancel at any time. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash the pod of bubbles. Another way to support us is by sharing this episode with a friend. This is Inside a Bubble. I am Shay Olubaba. The title of today's episode is Do You Want to Talk About It? And we are featuring stories from people around the central topic of anxiety and depression. Two very difficult things to talk about for anyone. And they are difficult not only because of the way feeling these emotions makes day-to-day living harder, they are also difficult because talking about them can make us feel them. People will often get anxious when talking about their anxiety. It's a bit paradoxical, a dog chasing its own tail type of situation. Another reason it is so difficult to talk about it is that usually the things that happen in our lives that lead to anxiety or our depression are life-changing events. The type of events that shape the kind of person we become. The type of events that shift our worldview. In this second act, our producer, Edit, 
will be reporting a personal story, the story of a breakup with his ex. Welcome to Act 2, The Relationship. The next voice you will hear is Edith. Hi, I'm Edith, listener and producer on Inside the Bubble, amongst other things. I often shy away from speaking, not only because I overthink everything, but also because this is personal. Now, here I am, about to attempt narrating through one of the most difficult times of my life. Here goes. Talking about depression and anxiety is hard, like really hard. In Act 2 of this episode, which I am calling The Relationship, which was initially designed to be centered around my past relationship and the anxiety and depression that befell my ex and I after we broke up. I'm saying depression and anxiety a lot, aren't I? Anyways, that was the plan, to talk about my breakup. But I realized in making this, that apart from how anxious thinking about the breakup makes me, I don't actually know what to say. What do I say? Why am I telling this story? I know I want to tell it, but I don't know how to put the words. So I'm going to steal the words from a friend who I interviewed for this episode, because she says it better than I can. Here is why I decided to tell the story now. I figure if I could, if somebody could listen to me and feel just a bit better, then it would be worth it. It's, it's not like I fancy myself some kind of psychotherapist who knows the minds and hearts of people and how to make them feel better. But like, I just, the thought of people feeling sad makes me feel sad and I want to see if I can do something to help that. Isu first reached out to me for this episode in February of 2020. That's almost 10 months ago now. When I sent in my first voice recording for this episode, the year had only just begun. There were wildfires and jokes about World War III, but the world was mostly calm. Very naive to what the rest of the year held in stock. In the voice note I sent him, I wasn't depressed. I was actually pretty positive. Here is me in that voice note. Uh, so currently, I'm not depressed. So the reason why I'm not depressed currently is so end of last year. So I mean, last year I went through like a breakup, and it was like. Hi, my name is Mary. I'm a master's student, um, studying engineering. I am Edo. I met Mary on a double dare. A friend dared me to talk to her because she was supposed to be mean or whatever. She was reading a book when I saw her. I walked up to her and said something dumb, like, why are you reading a book alone? As if there's any other way to read a book. I got her number that day, ironically, from that conversation. I thought she was nice. But sometime last year, um, I basically went through a breakup, which just made everything like it just felt like everything was just going bad all at once and i was like just always crying for no reason i would just find myself crying like i'll be in school or in a meeting and i'll just like start crying one of my favorite things about my relationship with marie was the silence we got to share on the phone where we called we didn't have to be saying anything to each other we would just be there, in each other's company, in comfortable silence. 
when we broke up over the phone, I sort of wanted that silence. But people don't often linger around after a breakup. It's like saying bye to someone and then walking in the same direction. It's just not done. So yeah, we broke up. But this episode isn't about breakups. I think what I found maybe a little interesting while producing this episode was the parallel between how I felt and how Marie felt. One of the nuances of producing this podcast is that I often have vulnerable conversations with friends. I ask them about themselves and how they feel and listen to them. But I am often caught between listening to them as a friend and listening to them as a podcast producer, trying to share their stories with an audience. And that was particularly weird with this episode. This time, it was my ex, Marie. So, here I was, listening to Marie as a storyteller, but also as someone who cared about her. I just have been feeling so scared about school, about not doing well, about not understanding what's going on. And it's just been crippling me. Um, yeah, when... When I listen back to interviews, my first reaction is often to look for the story in them. And as a reflex, the same thing happened when I listened to Marie's voice notes. But then I listened to them again, and it hits me. Marie had been going through so much, and I had no idea. And the same thing had happened to me. I recall a moment not long after we broke up, when I was feeling depressed, and really wanted to talk to her, but couldn't because we had broken up. I wonder if she felt that way too. Listening to these voice notes, I think she might have. When I went into production for this episode, I thought the stories I was looking for were of people's relationship with anxiety and depression, and that's what I went out to find. But now, after doing the actual production, I feel like perhaps there is an underdocumented perspective that deserves more light, with something like anxiety. It's important to have people around you whom you can share how you feel. It's those people that help you get through moments like that. For myself and Marie, we used to be that support system for each other, but then we stopped being that, and that evidently took us down darker paths. I just wonder what might have been different if I had known earlier. Would I have listened as a boyfriend and not a producer? Hey listener, I'm here to ask for your help. There isn't a lot of data available on podcast listeners, especially in Nigeria. So we are running a survey. We want to know about you, what you like and what you enjoy listening to. Please fill our feedback form by going to bit.ly forward slash bubble pod feedback. The link is in the show notes and also on our social media handles at the pod of bubbles everywhere. We are heading to the end of the episode now and with it, the end of the season. With Inside a Bubble, we are trying to tell the stories of everyday people with as many different perspectives as possible. That's the idea behind being this crowdsourced podcast about social bubbles. 
there are over 1 million podcasts in existence which to us feels like many people want to talk to an audience they have something to say we thought that we could make a narrative podcast where we gave people the opportunity to do just that to tell their stories and in the process we could be telling stories from different angles around single ideas to show how different or similar different people were from each other that was the original idea for this podcast with this episode it was no different we were trying to do the same thing tell stories from different people to illustrate how different and similar we all are to one another the subject matter for this episode was much heavier and we have included links to places where you can get help if you have any type of mental health condition this podcast is supposed to be a tool for empathy to tell stories about people that make you either feel seen or help you see other people we hope these last 12 episodes have done just that and i hope that i have been able to play my part as a reliable storyteller because as this season ends so does my time as a host on the podcast the 14 months of me narrating stories on the podcast have been very fulfilling they have afforded me the opportunity to grow as a voice over artist which is something i really want to do and it has been an opportunity for me to find my voice the shade that narrated the pilot episode is much different from the one that talks to you now i am more confident and comfortable with myself and my narration one big thing for me is that i have learned to let myself make mistakes you might have seen one of my bloopers on our twitter account i wasn't always so free I used to try to be perfect when I tracked my narration and we all know perfect is the enemy of good. It's tough saying goodbye to this family. It reminds me of when I had to say goodbye to my roommate in uni, Precious. Her name was Precious. We had been together since secondary school and roommates for 4 years in uni. For my birthday one year, she made a video of all my friends and family pretending to be me in my podcast. The video made me cry. It was in our shared room that I started my voiceover career, recording narrations by sticking my head into her cupboard. Yes. I missed her when she left and I'm going to miss this family now that I am leaving. I'm going to miss our table reads when we come together and brainstorm what each episode should sound like. Those were my favorite. And of course, I'm going to miss you, listener. You make this work worthwhile. It's been a great ride. So for the very last time from me here at the credits. Thank you so much to all our listeners for listening to this episode and every other episode we've put out this year. We really appreciate you. The Inside Your Bubble podcast is hosted by me, Shay Olubaba and Bisi Adedo. We both also produce and edit episodes. Mo Isu is the creator and lead producer of the podcast. He also edits and does the technical production. He sound designed and edited this episode as well. Edit Apple is a producer and writer on the podcast. He reported and produced the story in act 2 of today's episode. Our associate producers are Itoro Basi, Sandra Ugu and Ayotunde Kayode Dada. The sound logo you heard at the beginning of the episode and every other episode we make was done by at hypertension on twitter 
The music you heard in this episode was made by Blue Dot Sessions. For full credits, go to our show notes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Pod of Bubbles and tell a friend to listen to us. Subscribe to Inside a Bubble wherever you get your podcast. And if this is your first episode, we think you should listen to our Welcome to Lagos episode next. It's a very exciting one. Till March of 2021, when our next session starts, this podcast was recorded inside a bubble. How did I sound? Did I nail it? Whether I nail it or not, I'm moving forward. (laughs) Okay actually producing this episode i actually just realized how hard it is like hosting the episode and sounding natural when like you're narrating something um it's really difficult and kudos to shay and bc for doing this for over 10 episodes <laughs>